Hey, welcome to tonight's California Haunts Radio. My name is Charlotte. I'm your host, and I'm going to be your host for the next hour or so, and uh, talk. And we're going to be talking about some good stuff. I'm waiting on my guest to call in. Um, we've been in contact via email, and he agreed to come on the show, and he wanted to do a phone in, and so I've been trying to get his phone number, and I haven't heard from him, and so I sent my phone number to him this afternoon, thinking maybe he would call in. So we shall see, and if he doesn't call in, that's okay, too. I was sitting here thinking uh, this afternoon about um, if he didn't call him, you know, were we going to have a show? What was I going to do tonight? And uh, I got to thinking about topics to talk about. You know, we've talked about haunted locations and stuff like that. And um, I just did a radio appearance with, with, with Joey and Tony Mattia on their show. And we talked about investigation techniques and, and, and you know, what, what works well in the field and what doesn't work well in the field. And I thought if, if this gentleman doesn't get a hold of me, you know, he might have forgotten or he, he's been in meetings all day. So, you know, we'll have to reschedule him. But um, I thought, you know what, we'll, t- we'll talk about stuff. We'll, we'll talk about investigations and investigation techniques. And um, hello, everybody. I see Tri- I, I see, T- see Tisa's here. Marisa's here. Jerry's here. And like I said, if, if this gentleman doesn't call in, then uh, we'll talk about uh, different investigation stuff because there is a lot that goes on behind the scenes on cases that you don't get to see on TV and that um, because it's TV, they they kind of gloss over stuff. But there's, um, look at that, I've got a zit. Oh my gosh, I've got a zit. Yikes. Um, but there's also a lot of stuff that, that goes on te- on the technical side that, that people don't understand either or, you know, that, you know, and then the steps for a good paranormal group and, and, and what goes into being a good paranormal group. Not that I'm tooting the horn on my team, but um, I'm just reading some stuff here. Yum. Homemade double cheeseburger. Now you're making me hungry. Don't be doing that stuff, man. Don't be doing that stuff to me. I just had a Twinkie to get, to get rolling for the show. <laughs> um, anyway, so... Yeah, if he doesn't call him, we're, we're going to talk about some stuff because I was just wondering if I've if I had anything really to say tonight. But since I did that show last week with with Joey, I do have things to say, and I, I do have things to say that I think are are beneficial to people that might you know that might feel they have paranormal stuff going on. But first, let's get first things first. My name is Charlotte. I'm the owner and uh, of the California Haunts Paranormal Investigation Team, and you can kind of see my back. So let me adjust here. Okay, I hate that. You guys don't need to see my room. And I am the owner of the California Haunts Paranormal Investigation Team. We're based out of Sacramento, California. We are 35 strong. We're up and down the state of California. And uh, we actually go into Oregon, Washington, Nevada, and parts of Hawaii, which is kind of which is kind of cool, you know. 
And uh, we do not charge for our services. We are non-profit. And uh, we do it for free because we, we're, we just want to help people. We are a combination of psychics, psychic mediums, and debunkers on our team. That was a fly. Don't get excited. I saw it too. And um, we, we, we would like to think that after all these years that we provide the best service possible to our clients. And we will, if I don't hear from the client, the, the gentleman that's supposed to be on in a couple minutes here, we will get into that and talk about that. So I'm going to be checking email, my email. See, I know it's rude, but I'm going to be checking my email to see if he emails back. So we might have got our, our wires crossed. So that's okay, because I have a lot, like I said, I have a lot to say. Um, if you guys have, you know, throughout this tonight, if you guys have any questions for me, feel free to ask. Okay. I am by, you know, I, I'm, you know, by no means an expert in this field. If anybody tells you they're an expert in this field, mm -hmm. they're lying. Okay. Because there are no experts in this field. Mm -hmm. So, uh, that, 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 that should be the first alarm that goes off. But, um, I, I would like to talk to you about the difference between, doing you know residentials and doing commercial work because because there is a there is a huge difference there's a huge difference in responsibility okay i'd like to give a call out again to jerry edwards who's in the room marisa haynes is in the room Tr trisha muse is in the room i call her tisa because when i knew her that's what we called her was tisa so i have a tendency to call her tisa and it kind of confuses my other friends but yeah i call her tisa um, I'm glad to be here. It's 97. As you can tell, there's no air conditioning sound in the background because, like I said, I, I was thinking it was going to be a phone call night. So I turned the AC off, so I've got a fan running. So I'm in here probably. But luckily, this room is probably the coolest room in the house. It always has been. So hopefully, I had the air conditioner on until about five minutes ago. <clears throat> so hopefully, the, with the fan going in here, it, it, it'll hold a, hold the cool air for me so I don't die of heat stroke in here on camera. So, okay. So it looks like we got our wires crossed. All right, so I'll just jump right in. When you're a new paranormal group, you're what? Like everybody else, you're excited. You're, and unless you grew up in a house that was active, like I grew up in this house that was active, you really get your, get your information from the TV shows. And um, early on, the TV shows were pretty good. You know, the stuff like In Search Of and, and the, early, the early ones that... That I'm going to turn off this other mic, too, while I'm at it here. Okay. And this early one, so you can tell the difference. That mic picks up all the stuff. So I'm turning that mic off. And this, and, and um, <clears throat> the earlier shows, you know, had, had the big-time ghost hunters on there. You had, you know, like Lloyd Auerbach and people like that. And when they showed ghost hunters, it was always, you know, doing meticulous stuff in people's homes on their investigations. And that's what I grew up watching on TV. But nowadays, when you know when you see these guys, it's because a lot of them are in commercial, you know, commercial spots, and so you know, like I said, com commercial um, investigations are, are a lot different than doing uh, re than doing residentials. But back when I started this team, a lot of the teams started the same way because when you go out, you know, it, you're all excited to go out and start investigating. But you have to learn how to use your equipment. You have to learn how to how to conduct yourself when you're out in the field. Okay, and it's not as easy as it looks on TV because a lot of that equipment isn't isn't really designed for ghost hunting. You'd be surprised. A lot of it is de is designed for industrial use, like a lot of the th the handheld thermometers that that we use on our team. A lot of those are used in air in, in like air conditioning repair businesses or 
are refrigeration repair businesses. That's what they're used for. In fact, two of the ones that I use are actually cooking thermometers. They have the probe on there. So if you're, if you're making a turkey, you can stick them right in there and get your temperature on your turkey. Um, so they're not designed for ghost hunting. People have taken those things and adapted their use for ghost hunting. I'm going to leave this on just in case because you never know. You never know. I'm going to give this guy, give him the benefit of the doubt. Um, so that was something that's an adjustment, just like an EMF meter that we, the, the, you know, those EMF meters that we use aren't really, you, you know, meant to be used for ghost hunting. They're for guys that do electrical work, you know, guys that, that, that do wiring and stuff. That's what they're used for. So you have to adapt. You have to figure it all out. And back then, you know, there really, you know, there was talk of EMF and things like that, but it really wasn't as intense as you see it now. Like you can go pull articles up about high EMF and what it does, you know, how, how, how it can affect people and stuff, but they didn't have that back then. So everybody was still learning, you know, what EMF did to people and, 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 and you know, what triggered the equipment and stuff. And that's something that you can only learn. I mean, you can read all the books you want, but you, you have to physically touch the equipment and hold the equipment in your hand and, and run it along walls and run it and run it through by a microwave or run it through your set, you know, run it by your cell phone to see how it triggers. So like any other group, you know, back then, um, we started out doing commercial cases where we would go out and, and investigate hotels, take our equipment out and investigate old hotels or old bar, old, old saloons, old bars, whatever. And it's a great training place for investigation teams. I know a lot of teams now, you know, want to jump right in and go out and, and, and do residentials right away. And they're really, the teams that are doing that are really, you know, it, it's a disservice to the client when they go out because I, I know there's a lot of cases that we've been out on where people have complained that that group that goes in before us had no clue how to even operate their video cameras or anything like that. All they ran around with was their cell phones, you know, acting, acting like they were investigating, not like the TV guys. And, and that's a disservice. And we'll get into that in a bit here. But um, going out to old hotels is probably the best training you can do for your team, if, if you have a team. Um, you're not going to get the pristine conditions when you go out. They're, they're not going to shut the hotel down. I mean, there's, I've been, I've been out, you know, different hotels the last 25, 20, you know, 20 years we've been doing this. And maybe out of all that time, and Jerry, maybe you can back me up with this. Jerry's been with me for a while. Maybe in all that time, we've had one to three hotels actually shut down operation for us so we could actually, so we could investigate. Otherwise, it's full-blown. Things are going on. People are staying in the hotels. Uh, sometimes there's parties going on downstairs. You've got the saloon where they're playing music. Sometimes they're karaokeing. You know, and you have to deal with that because, because that's just how, you know, they're there to make their money, and, and, and you, you don't want to interfere with that if you want to play nice with them. So you have, to, you have to learn to cope with that, and that's a good thing. That's really a good thing. I mean, you can actually go out ahead of time and do – and, and, do, and do a prelim, which we started to do later. And like I said, I'll get into that. <clears throat> but, um, you know, while you're there, maybe the activity, most of the activities up on the second floor of this hotel. Well, the other thing with old hotels is the walls are always thin. So when you're upstairs trying to do your EVP sessions and you're, you know, and then you're, and you're running around with your EMF meters, all that power is coming in 
from downstairs because you know they've got the jukebox going or they might have a stage like i said with karaoke going on and so you're getting all the emf off that <clears throat> and then like if there's any chandeliers or lights hanging on that first floor you're gonna you're gonna pick up all that emf as well so it's a good way to learn how to use your equipment uh, you know because you have to figure out well is that actually something moving around up here or is or is that a chandelier downstairs is it, or is that the refrigerator turning on or, or you know or that's going on um so that's something you have to cope with doing this stuff um the other thing is evp sessions you know you could be up till three four in the morning and even that doesn't matter because again like i said <clears throat> you have to remember the walls are thin in these places so even at three four in the morning those recorders that we use out in the field are so sensitive that they're going to pick up noises from other rooms. You know, we've picked up people snoring in other rooms at like three, four in the morning. Or um, uh, this one particular hotel that was actually on featured in, in one of the shows, we were downstairs in what I would call the, the uh, conference room downstairs doing an EVP session. And I went back, to, I went back over the stuff to listen to it. And we picked up a, we, we, we picked up a couple making whoopee on the floor above us. I mean, that's how, that's how thin the walls are in these hotels. So you learn that too, that that's part of the learning curve because you learn what sounds to listen for that, that don't sound ghostly, don't sound like EVPs. You know, like what you would classify as an EVP. And after a while, you know, when you're out there like that, you do learn. Like you could tell when a wash machine's making a noise or you can tell when, 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 uh, ice falls in the refrigerator or, or there's a noise, there's, there's creaks and stuff that, that, you know, that, that, that you hear and, and, and then you can tell when, when, when it's not paranormal after a while, you get used to the sounds. That's why I say as, as a new team, you want to go out and do these hotels because it's, it's a good training ground for doing stuff. Um, again, these hotels, they, they don't close the doors and, it could get really funny at night. I mean, because you hear creaks, uh, you, you know, people moving around and stuff. Uh, this one particular hotel near Yosemite that we did, um, I had wireless cameras at the time. And there was a, you know, the, the, there was a reputation of the ghost that, that came up the hallway. And so, of course, I go out there and I set my camera up at the very end of the hallway uh, pointing uh, north. And um, <clears throat> the restroom of this hotel... <laughs> Yeah, uh, was like mid was like midway down the hall, and so I set my camera up. And three, four in the morning, I'm I'm up there watching it, and I see this gentleman come out of this bed, this hotel room, because it was one of these deals where nobody had their own bathroom. It was a, it was a common restroom, and he's in his room. I didn't think anything of it, and um, <clears throat> he came up the hallway, and I'm watching this, and and uh, my 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 partner was there, sitting there watching with me, and. Uh, all of a sudden, his uh, robe opens. And uh, I looked at my partner, and my partner looked at me, and I said, oh, my God, he just poked my eye out. And we both laughed because the guy was naked underneath. And so when he came down the hallway towards us, we got him on all his glory because that, that, that robe flipped right open, you know. And uh, that was one of the, the, one of the hazards. That whole night, there were people that were getting up like that. Not, not, not naked like him, but I mean, all night long, there were people that didn't realize there was a camera down the end of the hall. Maybe we should have informed people. I don't know. You know, maybe the hotel should have said something. But um, that's something, you know, you have to watch people in all their glory. Let's see. Yeah. 
yeah, I think we're done for the night with him. People in all their glory coming, you know, coming down the halls like that. <clears throat> and that's what you do. You're going to sit there all night and watch that. That's the stuff they don't show on TV. You know, some of the stuff they don't show on TV. Um, but again, you know, that's just part of doing old hotels. Just like I said, the EVPs, you know, you think at 2, 3 in the morning, 4 in the morning when you're doing EVP sessions that you're not going to pick up a bunch of voices. But it's funny because you you sit there and listen back on those things later on and all you hear are people snoring. You can hear them snoring and whispering in, in the other rooms. So that's something you deal with. And that's where I started <clears throat> taking notes. And I know I've, uh, Trish on our team took notes. You know, we had people taking notes on this stuff. Because when we wanted to move into doing uh, residential, eventually we wanted to make sure that we knew how to get around that kind of thing. Plus you got the voices. You know, you're trying to do your EVP sessions and they're karaokeing downstairs or or they're down there having their last beers for the night or whatever. But you're gonna you're picking up and then you got the street noise. You got people talking on the streets and all that's going on. So um, what we started to do was was devise ways to get around that and know whether it was our investigators, <clears throat> excuse me, it's dry in here, whether it was our investigators or whether it was, you know, the actual people in the hotels or whether it's paranormal. So what I ended up doing was I got a sample, a voice sample of all my investigators. And I got them in their normal voice and I got them in their whisper voice and I got them, you know, and I got them in, 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 in different types you know, different voice scenarios. And I have that in a data bank on my computer so that when I do get these EVPs back, you know, from the field, I can go through and do, and do a voice comparison, just like the police do. You know, I have that kind of software. Um, and that's what we do. And so, and so I started to play around with doing stuff like that because I wanted to perfect what we were doing to make it more accurate. Okay. And, um, You'd be surprised, you know, how many voices those things will pick up in a hotel. Just It's just insane, you know, what you'll pick up in, in an old hotel like that. Just like doors banging, just like, you know, doors banging and stuff like that. I mean, that, that really makes you go doing those places really turns you into an investigator because you have to go look. You have to go see <clears throat> what's causing the noise. You know, what, what was it? Was, was that door slammed from a human? You know, or was it from from you know something else or maybe the wind's blowing because of course old hotels too you know they're drafty so you're going to get wind blowing just like around windows that's why a thermal imaging camera is great because you, you can see if there's anything cold coming in around the windows because you're going to get drafts you may be sitting there during an evp session you know in a room and you notice the drapes are moving and it makes you wonder you know if you don't have something to figure out you know if there's a breeze in that room or not you're, you're going to think maybe it's paranormal while, while you're sitting there. Now, we would use, later on, Jerry got a thermal imaging camera. And early on, I, I would use a balloon. I would take a helium-filled balloon and have it in the room with me. So I could see if the balloon was moving around, you know, during our sessions. So you do stuff like that. So it's, it's, a, really, it, it's a really good training ground, you know, for um, investigative teams. And it also helps you to learn to work together because a lot of the things, you know, I started to do was <clears throat> you get there with usually big groups because, you know, you figure you've got all the upstairs to do. You've got the downstairs to do. Um, you might have a back area to do. There might be something underneath the hotel that needs to be looked at. So you tend to bring a, a big group of people with you. Okay. And uh, so that makes you want to organize. Otherwise, everybody, everybody's grabbing equipment and taking off with, you know, willy-nilly, and you don't want that either. You want to stay as organized as possible. So then you start putting together a, um, a log or a schedule for people to follow. 
you know, and sometimes when you go on these things too, you'll have maybe two, two or three psychic mediums with you. So it's cool because then, then you can break everybody up. If you got a group of nine people that went, you can break them up into, into um, you know, three three groups of three and send them off in different directions. But you got to make sure you know where they're at too because it can get chaotic. So people are carrying walkie-talkies, you know, so you can keep track of people. So I would set up a schedule for people. You know, we'd all meet in one place. We'd, we'd have one 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 generic place to meet and then i would send people out in different directions okay you're going to go upstairs you know and i want you to spend 20 you know 15 20 minutes in each room and then move on you guys are going to go downstairs i want you to spend 15 20 minutes in each room you guys are going to go outside you know you're going to spend 30 minutes outside or whatever and then you know however long it takes to to get through the rooms because you know of course i already took a tour and i knew how many rooms we were dealing with and which rooms were the most active so I knew where everybody was at. And then I could call them on the walkie-talkies and say, okay, guys, your 20 minutes is up. Go ahead and switch rooms. So we would do it that way. Like I said, this is the beginning of what we ended up putting together to go do residentials. Get all that done. Then, of course, you know, you do your investigation. And, uh, again, you know, you've got people walking in and out and walking up and down the hallway. So you have to determine where the foot, you know, where the footsteps are coming from. Or maybe, maybe there's a cabinet that that opens by itself. And that's another thing, you know, you get out there and you're, you're, you've got the, you start playing around with your tools, you know, you might get, you might get a level to put in that cabinet or put on top of the, or put on top of the counter to see if maybe that, that, that particular room is at an angle or maybe that, that cabinet's built at an angle. And that's why, that's why the cabinet drawer keeps opening up. In one particular hotel we were in, they had trouble with the coffee maker. It, it, it would turn on and do weird things by itself. I did some research on the coffee maker. Turns out that they were recalled because they would do that. It's stuff like that. You know, you have to you have to look at everything, and that's what doing these commercial jobs tra- teaches you to do. Because if you're you know because if you jump into somebody's house and you have no clue of what you're doing, you're going to do more harm than good. So we spent like probably about maybe three or four years doing nothing but commercial jobs. And like I said, as we did this, the team members took meticulous notes on different techniques and, and how and how we were operating and doing things. And it was very helpful. So then I finally sat down and, you know, I, and we still weren't doing residentials, but I started to take those notes and we st- I started to put them together in a packet. For us to start practicing, you know, utilizing some of these, you know, some of this stuff, you know, to, to take what we learned about, you know, what not to do out in the field, especially like these old hotels, what not to do out in the field and put it into a packet and put it into something concise that, that we could follow. If that makes any sense. And the packet grew and it grew and it grew and it grew and it grew till we had what, till we had protocols, some really strict protocols. About the way you know about the way we about the way we do things. Um, finally, we got our fur. Um, well, we'll talk about, like some of those cases. You know, um, like I said, you're you're, you're going to run into a lot of noise in those places and and high EMF because because there's a lot of like coke machines and equipment and ice machines and stuff going off. Um, so so you're you're like I said, it's a learning curve and you're learning how to operate all that equipment. Okay. By the time we got to do our residentials, we had pretty much figured out what, what, you know, what triggers EMF meters. And um, so we were ready to go. And 
the only trepidation we had was that it, it was scary. It was scary going into um, re- going into residentials because unlike the commercial jobs, unlike going in to do a commercial investigation, you know, generally the hotels like their ghosts. They like their ghosts because they attract a crowd. You know, they, they attract the ghost hunters, the people that are interested in, in, in hauntings and whatnot. And so they, they, they cater to that type of audience, you know, coming in and booking rooms and all that stuff. And so there's not really a need unless there's something aggressive in the location for us to, you know, attempt any soul rescues or any, any crossovers like that or, or, or calming people down because generally these, these older hotels, especially the ones in the gold country, it's, you know, it's, it's obvious. It's, you know, you got 49ers that, that were staying there, got, you know, with gold and stuff. In fact, the one hotel up by Yosemite, there was a very, the, the, there was a popular ghost in the area that he would actually, he was so protective of the dynamite he used when he was out in the field, you know, in the field working that he would put the dynamite underneath his bed and he would, he would sleep above the dynamite. And then there's the rumor that he was in love with the gal across the way. And so he would go across the way all the time to visit her. And so they see their ghosts going back and forth, you know, late at night sometimes. She'll come visit him. He'll come visit her. So that's what you're dealing with primarily in those hotels. And and he was another one that if you stay in that particular room at this hotel, that he doesn't like girly things. So if you put makeup and stuff up on the... um, dresser in the hotel you know where the mirror is and and you leave the room and you come back he will move it around and shift it around so that was a test we had to do and it's, that's what i'm saying it's just it's 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 ghosts like that you know that that you're running into in these hotels sometimes you know you run into the sad when you run into the ones that commit suicide or or there's been a shooting in the hotel there was one particular hotel that now um, they've gone through and fixed the walls but in, in one of the upstairs rooms you could see where there was a gun, where there was a uh, bullet hole in this room, and it was right level where the uh, where the bed was. So some poor soul was sleeping in that bed, and and, and somebody shot from the street, and you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So you know, you run into that, but for the most part, the hotels don't want these these ghosts moved on. So again, it's a lot of good practice because you can go in there and you can. You can you you can play you play I want to say play with the equipment but 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 you can use your equipment and practice and practice and practice with it till you know what you know what the what the what the hu- I'm going to say human triggers are and what and what the ghostly triggers are okay so um, we get our first residential and we're terrified we're petrified because what happens is when you go out and do a residential you're not doing this, ho- the, the, this hotel where the owners are like, yeah, we love our ghosts, blah, 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 blah. You're going into a situation where people are, where people are scared. You're going into a situation where they might have children that are seeing shadow people or, or the people are trying to sleep at night and there's stuff banging the walls, uh, you know, uh, or stuff's being thrown around the house or someone's been scratched or something like that's been going, you know, there's other stuff going on. So you're, you're, you're walking into a totally different kind of situation. These people, you know, a lot, you know, some of these people don't want their ghosts. They don't like their ghosts. I mean, you're going to run into, even on residential investigations, you're going to run into people who like their ghosts. They just want to know who it is or what it is that's in the house. But you're also, a good majority of them are people that are terrified and they don't want these things in their house. 
because they don't understand what they are. So when you go in to do a residential, it's a huge, huge responsibility. And there are, and I talked about this last week, there are a lot of teams out there. And I'm not cutting anybody ribbons. I don't want to start fights or ghost wars. I've been doing this for, over, uh, for more than 20 years. So I've been around the block, been there, done that. Okay. I've seen groups come. I've seen groups go because it gets to be too much for them to handle. When you go out in somebody's house to do a residential, it is a huge responsibility because you're not only looking at, okay, you've got this stuff going on, but you have to look at all kinds of things in the house. You have to look at the dynamics in the house. What's going on within the family? Is somebody ill? Is somebody drinking? Is somebody taking drugs? And I, that is not, and I'm not talking about, well, I'm talking about like drugs being, you know, prescription stuff and non-prescription stuff. You have to look at all of that. So as we started to progress further into doing stuff, I started to amass a staff on my team that could address all that. And I still have a real good staff on my team that, address, that can address all that. I have psychologists on my team. I have former police officers on my team. I have a, I have a woman who were, was with the Modesto Police Department who was a hostage negotiator on my team. And like I said, I have psychologists on my team as well. I also have people that are familiar with construction on my team. I have nurses on my team. So like I said, we have a really good complement of people because when you start out with these cases, you don't know what you're going to get or who you're going to be dealing with. You know, we um, initially it's usually an email. Sometimes it's a phone call. And then I have to sort it out from there. And then what we do, and like I said, we you got to remember, we spent the first few years of our of, of, of our beginnings at these hotels putting together these packages that that we could use in the event that that we started doing residentials so i have a 15 page i have a 30 page preliminary sheet that we use when we go out in the field and that is just for the the, the building itself when we go out and included in this 30 page while while someone asks questions of the client questions the client and we'll talk about that in a second while someone asks the client questions one or two investigators go around the house and look at everything in the house room by room okay they're looking at all the emf they're doing the emf runs on that day to see where all the high emf is in the house they're looking at the floors they're, they're, they're looking to see what kind of you know what's on the floors what kind of what kind of lighting's in the house um are the walls thin um, they're looking at trees. They're, they're looking to see if there's any trees that might cast shadows from the from from windows outside the house. They're looking for anything that could possibly, you know, if, if if they're seeing shadows in the house or or they're hearing footsteps or they're hearing voices, they're looking for anything that might lead to that. They're, they're, you know, they're looking at the debunking part of it at that point. But they are taking meticulous notes. And that that like I said, it's for that thing is almost forty pages when they go through. And they're going room by room. Then they'll go outside of the house and look and see if there's any telephone lines or power lines or stuff that are coming into the house that might cause high EMF levels 
or water running, you know, near the house or, or trains or anything running near the house and anything that could cause any kind of EMF problems. Because high EMF levels cause paranoia. They can give, they can cause headaches, paranoia, <clears throat> um, <clears throat> you know, all kinds of health problems. We did it just, just before the shutdowns, we did a house up, up in the gold country uh, where this woman was having issues. It was a guest house. And we went in there and the first thing I thought was they had solar panels all over the backyard. So I thought, well, you know, well, right there, you know, maybe, maybe it's coming from there. But as it turned out, when you went into her bedroom where she was ha hearing voices and nightmares and all this stuff was going on, you'd sit on the bed and lay on the bed and it felt like you were dizzy. You would get dizzy. And we did some EMF readings in there and they were completely off the charts. It was just total high EMF in, in this bedroom. And we could see why she was having all these problems. You know, she'd been there for, she'd been living there like, like a year or two years and she was having all these, all these nightmares, like I said, nightmares and hearing voices. And it was funny because another investigator, I actually heard a voice in that room. And we were trying, you know, and of course we were out trying outside, trying to determine whether it was coming from outside or whatnot. But there was a, I mean, that EMF alone in that room was enough to, to cause the problem for the client. So EMF, EMF can wreak a lot of havoc. And a lot of people, ever since SMUD, out here in this area, ever since SMUD, SMUD put the smart meters in, there have been a lot of problems with people, you know, having alleged hauntings in their houses. Let's see if I got a question here. Hang on. Yeah. So, okay. Yeah. So let me continue. Thank you. Thank you, Tisa. So they go in with a checklist, um, fill out all this information. In the meantime, somebody else is interviewing the clients, you know, while they're, but while, while the other team members are doing their walkthrough and, you know, with the checklist and writing all this stuff down. Thanks, Tisa. And, um, and, um, I'm cutting out here. I think I got this up too high. Hang on. Let me turn this down a little bit. And, um, yeah, I hit it up too high. And uh, so they go through and they're, and they're doing, they're taking photos and they're, they're doing their EMF sweeps and everything. And in the meantime, there's someone asking, asking the client questions. And I have, um, you know, all, like I said, all this research we did leading up to all, you know, leading up to all this with, with the commercial jobs. My questionnaire is 114 questions. And we range anywhere from what do you do for a living um, to um, have you ever taken any kind of hallucinogen, you know, hallucinogen, um, are you having health problems, you know, stuff like that, anything that you're taking any, any kind of medication for, do you drink and how much do you drink, uh, you know, on a consistent basis, blah, 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 blah. And it goes through, it goes, it goes through all that. It also covers uh, stuff that might cover uh Demons, where we ask questions about objects moving, how heavy are the objects? Uh, do you notice um, any dark shadows? Do you know, you, you know, anything menacing that make you feel menacing? You know, and uh, stuff like that. And we go through this 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 checklist, and it's just it's just incredible the information we get. 
sometimes they lie to us and we find out later you know have, have you messed with with any ouija boards or tarot cards anything like that we have to know that when we're out in the field because if they have then they've opened the door that they should have opened and we know which way to take the case okay so we get all this information it comes back to me i've got all this information okay the only ones that don't know what's going on on these cases are the psychics we don't tell them anything all right because they they have to go out you know, they, they have to go out cold when they're on these cases. So what I will generally do is I have one psychic that will do a remote read. And I will just send a photo of the front of the house or the front of the building. I won't tell her where it's at. I'll just say, look, there's stuff going on. You know, is there stuff going on in this house? Can, can you tell me what and where? And they'll come back and, and, and write me a report and say, look, you know, I think this room and this room is active. And this is what's going on. And this is what I see. You know, I'm seeing an old woman, blood, you know, stuff like that. So I put that information aside. So then what I do is I take the information from the checklist that, that they go through and the information that I got from the clients themselves about what, what they've experienced. And I put that together in another packet. I'll see what Jerry says in a second. I put that together in another packet. And I give that to the investigators for investigation night. The psychics don't see any of it. My my reasoning, let me go forward a little bit here. Ah, okay. He's got an image he wants me to look at. Anyway, um, my reasoning for doing it that way is because when you look at a lot of these show TV shows, and a lot of teams will go out on investigation night with their meters. And they'll waste time because initially they're going out on investigation night and they're getting all the high EMF readings that night. And to me, it's a waste of time because a lot of the times during the investigations, they're chasing high EMF that might be from a refrigerator, might be from some wiring underneath. Well, we've already looked for that during the preliminary. So when my investigators go out, they have a list of all the high EMF in the house. So if they come across something during the investigation that's not on that list, then they know to look into it further. Because, I mean, I admit it at night, you know, there might be something that the client turns on at night that wasn't on during the day. I mean, granted, right? But they have this, this, this list of where the high EMF is. So if they're in the hallway and say it seems like this EMF is moving down the hall, and they look on the list and they see that, oh, no, the EMF, because the furnace control is over here on the side, refrigerators on the other side, this wasn't on the list. Then they're going to investigate it more instead of wasting time chasing everything. Oh, look, it's on the wall. Let's go after that. Well, they already have that knowing that there's going to be high EMF on that wall because the refrigerator is behind the wall. So that's that. That's what that checklist is used for, just like... You know, if they start seeing shadows, let's say, let's say we get in there at 7 o'clock on a summer night and on a summer evening and the sun's starting to go down and then they start seeing weird shadows in the hallway. Well, look at the list because, oh, look, there's a tree over there. And as the tree's moving, it's causing these shadows to come through. That's why we have those lists. That's why they go in with those lists. So it saves time during the investigation. And, and you know, we can get right to the point. So we a little so um, you know they have a list when they go out. So I usually put I usually take a psychic out on scene. Okay, there's certain rooms that 
the client says have activity, but that doesn't mean, you know, that, hang on a second. Um, there's certain rooms that the client says have all the activity, which we will put cameras in. But what I usually generally do is, you know, a ghost, if, if it is a ghost, a ghost will not perform on cue. So what I will do is I will have a psychic go through and do a walk through that evening before we put the cameras out. That way she can come back and tell me, hey, I think this particular room is going to get more activity than that room, you know, that kind of thing. And then we will put camera, we'll put additional cameras in these, in these extra areas where she thinks that there's going to be activity. All right. And you got to remember this packet of information never goes to the psychics. So they're going in, you know, they're going in cold when, when they do this. So again, now I've got, depending on who's there, because I will customize the team that goes out too, because if, you know, you get a case where there's children, you're going to want somebody that, that has kids going out that, that understands children, or maybe, maybe I, I send one of the nurses out or something like that. So somebody that, 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 that works well with children, because you don't want to send people out that don't work well with kids. Because you want to talk to the kids and get more information on them. Maybe, you know, on investigation night, they might be open more to tell you what's going on. So I'll, 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 I'll custom, you know, I'll, I'll custom tailor these things. Or if I think after looking over the paperwork that there might be something, you know, going on mentally or something with, with the people, then that's when we'll send the psychologist out as well on the investigation. So investigation, and again, you know, I've, I've done the, we've got the list and all that's going on, and now I've got the schedule set up. Okay, again, it's just like the hotels, only we're going room by room in the houses. So I can either, I can, there's two ways to do it. I can either take the team, put a team of three in, put them through first, and then have another team waiting outside or have them go get a burger. Okay, and then once team A is done, then I'll send team A over to get a burger and team B will go in and go through the house and do the EVP sessions and all that stuff. Okay. And again, I've got strict protocols going on with everything like the, like with the EVPs, my investigators, when they do EVP sessions, they will say their names in their normal voice. Okay. They will say their names in a whisper voice. And they'll say their names in like a humorous voice, okay? Because sometimes people get, you get tired and rummy during investigations. So I have a, like I said, I have a copy of their voices. So when I, so when I do hear a whisper, I hear something, I can compare it. The other thing, there's some, the other thing they do is that if they hear a noise or a car goes by, they'll note it on, on the recording. Whoever's calling out the invest, whoever's calling out the EVP session will say, "Car just went by. Somebody's walking down the hallway. Somebody's just used the bathroom. <laughs> you know, so, you know, somebody's banging. You know, outside there's a dog barking. That's something I have to know too, so that when I go over the EVP work, I, I can throw that stuff out right away. Okay, photos. We go out, and a lot of clients give us photos." And it's wonderful when they give us photos. The problem we have with that is that um, we weren't there to know the conditions during which the photos were taken. So a lot of the time we thank the client profusely, but we really can't do anything with it. It, it kind of gives us a start. You know, it kind of gives us a, a, a pointer as to what direction 
to go on the investigation. When we're on investigations, we take three photos in a row, and the team is trained so that they will stand in the same spot at the same angle and not move and shoot three photos in a row. That's what we do. Because you'd be surprised how something could appear. Nothing could be there. Center frame, there's something there, and then something's not there. That's why you have to have those three photos. There's also times that the psychic might say, hey, take a photo over here. I need you to take a photo. That happened to me at the Woodland Opera House. I was upstairs with Sabrina on our team. And she said, oh, you need to take a photo in front of my face. Take a photo in front of my face. She's right here. I took a photo and I got these white splotches right in front of her face. Which was kind of cool. We were down in the basement at the Woodland Opera House. And she says, oh, they're all at my feet. They're all, they're all looking up at me. She says, take a photo, take a photo. I took a photo down there and I got what we call an ethereal stream. Where you can see a white stream going around. Around her. But that was, again, that, that was three photos in a row. Because the first two photos, you don't see the stream. And the last one, you see the stream. So that's one of the strict protocols, too, that we follow. When we set up cameras, we set up the cameras and know where, you know, what room they're in, what direction they're facing, how far do the camera shoot in the dark? Because we're watching all that. I have five digital voice recorders, six digital voice recorders. <clears throat> I go in, I tape one of the, the walls in all the rooms, but they're within, um, they're within sight shot of the cameras because we may not be in the room. And there might be a voice that happens or something moves or something. So I'm going to get that on, on, on audio. There's a lot that goes into these investigations that people don't realize. You don't see this stuff on TV. When I get all that stuff back, when all said and done, when I, when, when I take the evidence back with me to go over, I've not only got, you got to figure if we're there four hours and I'm running nine cameras because I can go up to nine cameras. Nine times four is the hours that I have to look at the footage to see what's on it. Just like with the digital voice recorders, same thing. If I'm running six or seven digital voice recorders for that four hour time, that's how much footage I have to, that's, that's how much of the voice recorder I have to listen to to see what's on it. So it's, it's, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of putting stuff together. And that doesn't include going over the county, you know, the county seat and doing the research on the property to see, you know, what was on the property before or what happened on that property. Were there fires, you know, because a lot of the times you find out there's a fire, you want to go over to the library and get in the microfiche and, and go through all that to, to see what happened during the fire, too. Um. But it's a lot of research. It's a lot of working with clients. Uh, we did a client out in the Bay Area, and she was seeing stuff in her house. And it was an older woman. And we went out there, and we found it. And, and, and during our interviews, we found out that she had had a medication change at some point. And we suggested that it could have pop, you know, possibly be the medication that was causing her to see stuff. And it turns out, sure enough, she went to the doctor had the medication changed, she's had no problems. It's stuff like that. So, so when we go out, we have to, you know, we have to, we have to look for all that stuff. It's not just walking in going, congratulations, sir. Yeah, this is going on in your house. And, 
and uh, we think it's not going to give you any trouble. Have a nice day. That's not how it works because you have to. It's a huge responsibility to go out and do these things. And any group that comes out and doesn't know how to operate their equipment and doesn't do this and doesn't keep meticulous notes and doesn't come out with, with the extra professional people to come out. If they come out to your house, run. Because they're not going to help you. It's a disservice. It's a huge responsibility when you, when you go out and do residentials. You know, and you're working with people. I mean, I've, I've, I've had a case... That used to be a reoccurring case, but I guess they finally came to terms with what was going on in the house, and she was a Jehovah Witness. And her religion did, you know, that that religion does not allow for the thought that there are ghosts, that the dead can come back, you know, and do that. So when when we deem the house active, it was hard for her to wrap her head around what was going on in the house. I think they finally moved because she just she just refused to believe what was going on. Her husband believed it because he wasn't he wasn't that religion, but she had a hard time coming to terms with it. <laughs> Jerry's Jerry's been with me for a long time. I, I can laugh at Jerry. We've been through a lot. Um. But there's stuff like that that goes on. I did a house. We did a house out in Yolo County, a residential. Um, that, wow, talk about dynamics. Um, the there were two older people in their, I guess, 60s, close to 70, taking care of their son who was, I think, autistic. I think, or he had no, he had, uh, he had some. He he was sick. And he was bed mostly bedridden. The one son, and then they had the other son who was autistic and the man was very, very angry. He was very, I don't know if it's just his normal disposition because there's people like that in the world, you know, that they're very pushy and very angry, but he was very, very angry and his wife was nervous and all this was going on. And, and he's, and there were like scratch, there were like scratches appearing on, on the boy and there were objects moving around the house and, Stuff like that was going on. And they would watch, and that was the other thing too, they, they would watch the TV programs. And that's something we look for on our on our questionnaire is, you know, do you watch a lot of paranormal TV? Because a lot of the paranormal TV shows hype, hype everything so much that people are so into it that every little thing's paranormal to them. And so we walk in there and he he just wanted no part of us, the, the father. And, and, you know, when we sat, when I sat down and did the interview with, with them, he wouldn't let her get a word that the wife get a word in edgewise. He was that type of personality. And um, he had told me that he had had a tumor and that he was taking medication for that. And, you know, they were trying to take care of the boys and all this was going on and they were under a lot of stress. Well, obviously a lot of stress, but they felt that it was demonic and, I know it's demonic. I know it's, you know, and people will insist, you know, I, I know it's demonic. I know this thing's demonic. You know, it's attacking my kids and all this is going on and it's scaring my wife and, you know, la, 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 la. And then this was another case where, where, where they gave us a photo and the photo was very dramatic, but it looked like their, their older son to me is what it looked like, but they insisted it wasn't. Okay. You know, who am I? So I, took the tour around the house and again, you know, they were, cause they were Catholic and they were insisting that it was a demon. 
And as I'm walking through the house, I'm looking up on all the walls, every room. Every room had a religious photo in there, a religious icon. It was Jesus, Mary, St. Francis, you know. They had all over the walls. And I looked at them and I said, you know, I don't want to be the bearer of bad news, but it's not a demon. I'm reading this, hang on. Okay, geez, geez, I will. Um, it's not a demon. And they said, well, what do you mean it's not a demon? I said, because if it was a demon, you've got these pictures of the saints all over the walls in these rooms. And you've got, you've got crosses in these rooms, you know, over the doors. I said, if this thing was demonic, those wouldn't be up on the walls. There's no way they'd be up on the walls. And he fought me on it. He kept saying, no, I know it's demonic. I know it's demonic, you know, blah, 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 blah. It got to the point with him where um, we actually walked out. Because we went, we went back like two or three times with his family. And we actually, the last time we were there, we walked out. It was that, it got that bad with him. And then um, somebody went in off the team to negotiate. And that turned out to be an interesting story because there was there was a ghost there, but there was a lot more involved than what uh, initially was there because we were still it was it was a strange case. I, it took me a while to piece it together. You know, you just don't piece these things together overnight. Sometimes, sometimes you get lucky and you can do it. You know, that day, that night you go out, but sometimes it takes a while to piece everything together. And I couldn't quite figure out what the heck was going on in this house and what the connections were. We knew we had one active entity in the house. And Trish, and, and somewhere there's audio of this, and I'll have to get it up on our website or play it on here one night for you guys, where Trish is talking to this ghost, and this one, the, 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 the primary ghost that we ran into initially was a ghost that had been involved with drugs and he had lived in this house because the house had burned down at one time. And he was feeling really guilty because he got angry at his mother and burned the house down. And what he didn't realize was that his mother had been in the house at the time and he killed her and he burned himself down. So he was still hanging out at the house, but the kicker part of it all is he didn't like the way the man treated his family. So he was there to protect the boys. So we did a soul rescue on him and, um, we were able to cross cross verify the story via the local newspaper and all that, you know, that, that this that this had taken place and all that. So I still there was still stuff going on in the house and I still couldn't couldn't quite figure it out. So we go back for the last time to stop in with what with what we had. And the the wife comes out and she says, I got something to tell you guys that I didn't know until this week. My husband has another tumor. And it'll make him hallucinate. And then it all clicked. I said, so he's the one that primarily sees people, you know, primarily sees these ghosts in the house, right? Yes. He has this tumor, right? I said, what else does it affect? Does it affect his personality? Does it affect his emotions? Well, yeah, he'll get, you know, he, it, it, it'll, it'll make him get angry and stuff. 
And I thought, wow, you know, so I got on the phone with one of my other psychics and we got to talking. And at that point, I pretty much knew what it was. And when I had to present it to him, he, he took it better than I thought he would because, you know, it's just one of those, one of those things he couldn't stop. And I said, you know, this tumor has been growing for a while. And he said, yeah, he said, I kind of knew it, you know, but I didn't want to tell my family. I said, I hate to tell you this, but I think you're causing the activity in the house. And I was waiting for him to take a swing at me or something. I, I was braced. And he, he looked at me and he, he, he and he started to cry. And I said, uh, you know, I, I don't want to be able to be the bringer of bad news, but I think you're causing poltergeist activity in this house. And, you know, you're scratching. You don't mean to scratch your, your kids, but you're so frustrated that, you know, this tumor is, is causing this. And um, he actually he actually agreed with me. And he said, yeah, you know what? I think that makes more sense than anything else. And so, um, you know, we gave the report. We, you know, that we told him that's what we thought was going on. And uh, after that, he called finally after he had the tumor removed. And there hasn't been any other activity. They haven't had any more problems. So it's stuff like that. You have to really work at stuff like that to, to get to, to get through with these clients. You know, to, to to work with these clients, to get to that. You know, to get to get to these conclusions because it's not always paranormal, and that's what that's where the whole responsibility thing kicks in. You know, in that, in that it's a huge it's a huge thing to go out and do these cases, because you're not over. It's not always going to be. Like I said, it's not always going to be paranormal. You have to look at all the different factors as to what's going on in the house. But the tumor, essentially the tumor was causing him to, you know, be paranoid because he, he was hearing voices. He, you know, he was seeing things in the house. He was hearing voices. And the voices were driving him nuts. And then he would, you know, he, he was taking, he was frustrated because he was, he was taking care of the kids. You know, they were both frustrated because they were older. I know what it's like. I took care of my mom and dad. I mean, it can get really frustrating when you're taking care of somebody that, that, that you know, you've got to change them and you've got to do all this other stuff. It's really, it's really, really frustrating. And so with this tumor growing in his brain, that's what was doing. He would go to bed at night because everything would happen after he fell asleep. So he would go to bed at night and stuff would happen in the house. The bangs would start. The kid would scream because... You know, because he feel touched or, or, you know, mentally the guy was reaching out to his kid or, or and, and stuff. It's just, it's amazing, you know, what can happen. I worked on a case, we did a case up in El Dorado Hills where um, there, were, there was banging in the walls at night. And it was a fairly new house. We did a check, you know, again, we're not going to just look at ghosts in a case like this. We're, we're going to look for rats and everything else. And so, of course, my, my guys are going in, in up in the attic and then they've got their... Here's a hint. If you think you've got rats in your house or mice in your house, the way to tell is when a rat or mouse goes to the, defecates, it's phosphor, it's fluorescent. So if you get a black light and you go walking around the floor, turn the lights off, use a black light, you can see trails from, from the rat pee and feces. So, of course, my guys were in the attic. They were under the house, you know, checking out to see if there were any trails or anything. And they couldn't find any. And as it turned out, what was going on in this house was that they would fight at night. Her and her husband would get in these fights at night. 
and she and, and she would go to sleep and, and and they wouldn't resolve them before she went to bed. So essentially that was another case of poltergeist activity because she would go to bed frustrated and that's what would happen is the walls would start banging in the house. And after we brought it up and brought it, you know, brought brought it to her and she and then that and she and she stopped going to bed like that, no problems. So it's stuff like like I said, it's stuff like that. You know, it's not just going out like they do on TV and it's all fun and it's all fun and games because it isn't fun and games when you're going into somebody's house. You know, and dealing with their kids or, or dealing with them because you have to look at everything. And believe me, when you go out, clients don't always tell you everything. They don't tell you the truth on everything. Okay. You have to, sometimes you find that stuff out later. Like I've had clients who swore up and down, they didn't use tarot cards or use Ouija boards or anything. And as we were going through the house, because of course we go through everything, we're looking at everything. We're finding Ouija boards stuffed way, you know, way up in the top of the closets where they're trying to hide them from us. And then you have to confront the client and say, no, you are using something. You are messing around with this. We have to know these things. You know, so, I mean, you really have to, I'm, I'm reading my messages. I can't see, so I'm trying to get close. I've got two, I've got two left eyes until I get my new contacts. And the thing, you know, and, and, and that's, that's the whole premise of it. If a good team is going to do that stuff, if you get, like I said, if you get a team that comes out and, and all they want to do is, is giggle, and and, and, and there are teams that do this. I've run into them, you know, like I said, following where we've had to go in and undo, undo messes because they've come in and, and, and treated it like a party where, where they even have barbecues at people's houses. It's like a game for them to go in. Then you got the wrong team. You don't want a team like that out. You want a team that's going to come out and, and, re and really help you. You know, that's what you want. That's what you deserve as, as a client. I mean, listen, when you call the cops out, you don't, you, you don't want, you, you don't want some, you know, you don't want some fool coming out to, to look at your house, you know, to, to investigate your house. You, you want a real cop to come out that, that's going to look into everything. And so when you need paranormal help, you need a team that's going to come out and, and, and do that. You know, and I'm not trying, like I said, I'm not trying to blow my own horn about what my team does, but I'm proud of my team. I'm proud of what we, what we have accomplished and what we put together to help people. Because I don't want to, I don't want to provide a disservice. I don't want to screw something up and really mess somebody's life up. That's not my goal. It's a huge responsibility to, to, to go out and do this stuff. A lot of times we go do hotels just so we can relax. You know, we'll do, we'll do, you know, four or five residentials in a row and then we'll go out and do an old hotel just so we can kind of let, let our guard down and, 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 and unwind. It's like a vacation for us to do an old hotel. But the residentials, yeah. And you come across some interesting EVPs in residentials. I mean, you get real, you get, you, there's some places where you get real good evidence. But again, you're not going to get evidence in every place. It's good. it's not going to be paranormal. It's going to be it's going to be something physical with the client. It's going to be maybe they fight all the time. You know, may, you know, maybe there's some dynamic going on. But you have to go out. You know, you you have to go out and 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 look at everything and provide that service. You have to. Um, somebody mentioned about what we charge. We don't charge. All our people do this stuff volunteer because because we want to be out helping people. 
so we don't charge. We take donations. That's why I'm always at the end of the show. I'm always like, you know, I'm always asking you guys for donations at the end of the show, because we all do. It all comes out of pocket for us to to, do, to provide these services. You know, we do it out of our hearts because we want to help people. We really do. And the more people we help, the better we feel. There's investigations we come off, like the one in, the one we did out in Yellow County, where we feel great when we come off because because we actually accomplished something and we we made people happy. The one son that had um, that has autism, he actually hugged us all when we left because he felt so relieved. So I mean, that's what we do it for. But if people you know, want to give us a donation, that's fine, too, because it helps us buy equipment. It helps us continue with what we do in our research. But we do not charge when we go out. Anyhow, it's 732. I've talked enough tonight. And I just wanted to share that stuff with you because I, th- I just think that that the you know in the word for investigation when people go out it just it just isn't there people don't realize what real paranormal teams do you know when when they go out to somebody's house or what goes into these investigations and i think because of all the tv stuff i think it's lost the other thing i want to add too with the tv shows is that again when we started when the when i started doing this you know a lot of the ghosts in the tv shows were but not, you know, Uncle Bob and stuff. And a lot of the <clears throat> residentials when I first started, it was Uncle Bob. You go out there and it was Grandpa, you know, somebody related to the family that you'd find out. And people weren't really afraid. But with the advent of these TV shows, and I'm not going to name shows because that would be, you know, I don't want to have issues with anybody. But with the advent of these TV shows, everything, everything is a demon. Everything's bad. I've had requests, you know, via email from from producers who would like to see some of our stories of investigations that we go out on. But they don't want to see they, they don't want to see our stories because there's nothing evil, because I can't provide them the, the stuff they want. They they want stories of of evil spirits and stuff. You don't run into those all the time. You just don't. I mean, if you watch TV, you think you think that almost every case was an evil spirit. You know, was a demon or an evil spirit? No. It's not like that. You very seldom, hang on a second. Um, very seldom do you run into demon cases. You don't see them all the time. I know a lot of people will tell you they're picking up. You don't see them a lot of time. And, you know, they're, they're rare and, 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 and far between. But I get calls all the time from people who want a cleansing on their house. And I'm and they're really disappointed when I tell them, well, we're gonna have to go out and see what's out there first. We just can't come out and do a cleansing. We don't know what we're dealing with. And a lot of the time they'll hang up and get frustrated and go elsewhere. Well, that's the breaks because you know, I try to explain to them that not one cleansing doesn't fit all. You know, I'm not gonna go out and do a holy water blessing on a house that is on Native American property because it's not going to work. Native American, you know, dealing with Native American spirits and dealing with de- dealing with Catholic, you know, dealing with the holy water type of spirits are two different things. And we can't tell until we physically go out to see what we're dealing with if there is anything out there to deal with. 
You know, if it's not something that the client's hearing noises, and because they saw such and such on TV, they think it's they think it's a ghost or it's a demon. That's what we. That's our job to go out and sort through that. But yeah, not you know, you just can't go out and do a cleansing, and we get a lot of that. Just come out and cleanse the house. Take this stuff out of here. We can't. It's a disservice if we just go out and, and sprinkle holy water around, you know, or, or or use or use blessed salt and you know put that around. If we don't know what we're dealing with. So anyway, I'll shut up now. It's seven thirty-five. I've been to a year enough, but I, I hope I hope you guys learned something tonight about you know investigations and 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 and, and what technically should go on if if you ever have a problem if you ever feel you have a, a paranormal thing going on at your house you know what should go on during an investigation what to look for in a paranormal team in fact some teams you know like ours we you know you even provide references so people can call the other clients you know instead of taking us for face value but um I just wanted to talk. I mean, since the client, since his, since the guy didn't come through tonight, I just thought, well, you know, as I sat through this afternoon, figuring out what I was going to talk about, this is what I came up with, you know, and I thought, well, I might as well just do this, you know, with it. Because there is, you know, you see this stuff on TV and it, it's not, it isn't like TV. And there are a lot of teams out there now that, that people need to just be aware of what to look for if, if you do have issues in your home or whatever, you know, what to look for in a team. So I hope I didn't bore you guys to death tonight. To death. Ha! I said death. But I want to thank you for coming. Um, Monday, let me look at, Monday we've got a really cool guest. And it's, I think it's going to be a surprise for you guys. We've got a real good, we got a real good setup for guests this, this coming week. Um, our numbers are up. We've got, we had 59 downloads today. I'm real excited about that. And let's, let's keep the downloads coming, you guys. Got to keep this going on the podcast. Um, again, we are nonprofit. Like I said, we don't take any money for investigations or for this. If you feel the need and, and you'd like to donate, um, PayPal.me at California Haunts and uh, help us out a little bit to keep keep this thing on the air and keep us going because we're going to keep bringing real good shows to you guys and whatnot. And it helps us buy equipment and do the stuff we need to go out and help people because that's what we're here for is to help people. Anyway, my name is Charlotte, and I'm. I love it. I'm getting all these notes and I have to bend over and uh, I want to do my face here. Okay. Um, anyway, I'll, I'll read all these later. Um, but I thank you guys for coming tonight and listening and hopefully I can reschedule this gentleman that was supposed to be on tonight so we can talk with him because he has some really interesting points. Again, like I said last night, um, we've had clients who have children that that have autism and whatnot, and they do see, you know, the, the, the kids with the autism really draw stuff in and, and see stuff. But a lot of the times you can't communicate with them. It's, it's, it's hard, you know, because some, some of them are nonverbal. So that's another thing, you know, you have to go out and forth through that. So hopefully I can get him back on, you know, maybe next week I can get him scheduled in to, to come in maybe Wednesday. But anyway, thank you so much for coming on. And uh, I'm going to be getting, I'm, I'm just about done with my book. I'm, I'm writing a book about my paranormal stuff. And uh, it's mainly, uh, Growing up in a haunted house, being a believer, and then becoming a journalist, and then kind of looking at things logically, and I became a debunker, and then I, and then as I started going out as an investigator, I became a believer again. So um, I'm halfway through with my book, so I've got a book I'm writing. 
But anyway, I want to thank you guys, and I will see you Monday. And I hope you have a good rest of the week. And again, help bring you know help us bring more more exciting and informative guests to the show. And if you feel the need, um, PayPal.me at California Haunts. Um, if you like the show, share it. Share it with five people. If you don't like the show, share it with five people. Go over to our YouTube channel. Cal, just uh, Google in California Haunts YouTube. And uh, it'll come up and join us and become a subscriber over there, too. Because we're looking for subscribers. We're looking to build this up and keep, and keep the momentum going like we have been. Anyway, I want to thank you guys. And uh, hang on, hang on. Let me go over here. There we go. I want to thank everybody for coming, and I will see you Monday.